Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Signal Flow, a podcast by Avixa dedicated to bridging the gap uh, between the pro AV and the IT communities. Today, we have a really exciting conversation centered around IPTV. And maybe not in some of the same installations that you're used to, right? Whether it's a sports book, whether it's a restaurant, uh, or you know, even a casino. We're talking a little bit more about the enterprise installations today. Thought there wasn't a better person to bring on the show than my next guest, Jim Jaquetta from Vidovation. Jim, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Great, great to be here. Thanks for inviting me, and I'm so glad to be here, Ben. And I love talking technology, so I hope you got a couple of hours for us to chat a little bit. You know what? I, I'm more worried about our audience. I don't know if they have a couple of hours, so we'll okay, try and keep okay. it relatively <laughs> concise today. Maybe we'll do a part two eventually. Maybe okay, we'll get there. Part two and three. Great. Uh, but Jim, <laughs> look, you and I were talking a little bit before we we started recording the show, and, and you know the evolution of what IPTV has become. You know, I talked a little bit in the intro about you know it's easy to think about it in restaurants, casinos, other places like that, but the enterprise is now a legitimate and viable market for. Uh, IPTV. Talk about some of the applications that you're seeing IPTV being leveraged for in the enterprise world. Well, even before something just popped into my head when you when you're talking about the applications for IPTV, the definition of IPTV, you know, Internet Protocol Television (IP). Uh, on uh, on our website and a lot of our marketing, we put the word enterprise in front of IPTV because we get consumers flooding our 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 website. I need to watch. Uh, Manchester United football and I can't get, you know, it's not working on my IPTV. I'm like, no, 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 we don't deal with consumers. So enterprise is a big, big part of what we do. Uh, we've done projects uh, ranging uh, all over the map. You, you did mention casinos. We, we, we have done quite a few casinos, particularly Native American owned casinos. Uh, it's not so easy to become an approved vendor with a, a sovereign nation uh, uh, like that. Uh, we've done a lot of, uh, uh, sports studios. We've done big 10 networks. We've done, uh, the tennis channel, Bally sports. Uh, we did the entire Paramount studios lot. And there's always a mixture in every environment. I mean, primarily uh, Vidovation operates in two, two, two hemispheres, the broadcast world, you know, television and media, and then the pro AV world, but those worlds are mixing. The lines between them between them are blurry, uh, and each has its own uh, set of challenges. Uh, each has its different set of requirements, and uh, a lot of those requirements overlap, and, and if those requirements conflict with each other, vendors like us, we're here to solve those problems. That's what we do. Follow-up question to that, what are some of those problems, right? Is it people are having challenges with digital signage, wayfinding, signal distribution? What are some of those challenges that you're seeing IPTV help overcome in the enterprise? I, I think uh, uh, sometimes you get like uh, uh, some, some management, some engineers, or you get these uh, older uh, broadcast engineers like myself, and they're not as comfortable with IP. Uh, you know, in the in the old world, in the analog world, where you had a physical cable, if something broke, I'd run a patch cable from over here to over there. IP uh, uh, has those same capabilities, but it's all it's all hidden in the switch. It's all hidden in the network. So w we encourage uh, any customer that's approaching us, whether it's enterprise or a highly technical company, uh, to a casino where you know they have IT staff, but they're not particularly video savvy, we do encourage IT to be 
part of the conversation from the beginning, if not the beginning early on. So we can discuss some of the requirements of, of IPTV. Uh, you, you probably uh, have a follow-up question, but you know, one of, the, one of the big requirements for IPTV is uh, we like to distribute the video in multicast format. Uh, I'm sure most of our listeners know the difference, but maybe I'll explain for those that don't. Uh, there's two forms of IP communication point-to-point -point or unicast. So like if I'm printing from my computer to the printer down the hall, that's a one-to-one -one communication. That's a unicast transaction. Hey, printer, are you there? I'm printing something. Multicast, I'm sending a video stream to many points, one to many. And some IT departments are not familiar with multicast. Uh, networking switches by default out of the box from the manufacturer have IGMP, Internet Group, Multicast Protocol turned off by default. And the reason being is that multicast could be used maliciously. Well, like anything on the network, any unicast could be used maliciously. Multicast stream traverses the network. It will spawn as multiple requests are made for the same stream. So that's the beauty of multicast. So I'll give you an example. If, if we're doing a facility like, like Paramount lot, there's a thousand TVs. If we did that project unicast, we'd have to have our server set up a thousand simultaneous sessions. That's a thousand streams of video. That's a tremendous load on the network. Multicast, in the simplest explanation, say everyone's watching the same channel, right? That would be one stream to a thousand TVs. The stream spawns and replicates. When a new TV comes online and requests a channel, uh, it does an IGMP request to, to its switch. Hey, do you have a copy of ESPN? No, I don't. Can you ask for me? Then it goes down the chain, ask the next switch. Do you have, oh, I got ESPN. Here you go, I'm gonna spawn you a copy. So it, it's like a tree. It starts at the trunk and it the single stream goes out uh, to all the TVs. So that's, I'm getting a little excited. See, I get excited about this stuff. The multicast is beautiful in that way. But I kind of wanted to follow up there, right? You, you made that natural distinction between what we'll call video-minded IT professionals and then maybe historically more network savvy, uh, maybe more the device security side. You know, one of the questions that we hear a lot in, in the Pro-AV community as we look to build this bridge is, uh, what does this look like from a hardware and an infrastructure standpoint, right? Because in, in, in a basic signal flow, right, we've already got all the networking cables. We've already got uh, whatever connections that we need. How do we integrate this into our existing systems, whether it be hardware, software, whatever, without having to blow everything up? How, you know, what are some of those hardware pieces that people need to bring into the system? That, that's a great question and, and a common question or a question we have to the customer. Uh, so can our network sustain television? So a typical install, we do 48 to 60 channels of TV. Um, I've been in some really high level meetings, enterprise meetings where execs are arguing where I need ESPN Classic and I need ESPN2 and I need FS1 and I'm like, are you in the sports? Is this a business use case? I think that the trend is if I'm going to, if I'm an executive and I'm going to work an 80 hour week, I need TV and I need my shows. So, but typically it's about 
60 channels is, is, is the typical. And uh, we like to use DirecTV. We're a DirecTV premier partner. We do also work with Dish Network. Uh, we can bring cable TV into a facility. We can bring over-the-air TV. And in some cases, all the above, you know, DirecTV, Dish, cable, uh, over-the-air. There's a, there's a use case where there's some unique channel from each of those local providers. We want to bring that all in. And typically, the rule of thumb is uh, uh, use DirecTV as an example. Uh, a sports channel might use 10 to 12 megabits per second. A talking head channel, as we call it, a news channel will use four megabits. We, we, we guesstimate the median is usually eight megs. So, you know, if you had a, a, a hundred channels, you would need 80 megabits of bandwidth in your core switch to support this. So what happens, those 48 or 50 channels, 60 channels, come out of the head end, you know, we build a head end, and we, we, we work with IT to feed those streams directly into the core switch of, of the facility. And most of the people watch a very small subset of channels. The perfect storm would be in the scenario where I have a thousand TVs, someone is watching one of every channel. But at maximum, there would be, in a, in a case of 60 channels, there would be 60 multicast streams, so 60 times eight. If the business did really well and now they have 2,000 TVs, it'll still be 60 times eight number of feeds, eight megabits. Uh, that won't change. The multicast streams will replicate itself more to get to those TVs. So uh, that's just the basic rule of thumb. So eight megabits per second, you know, so... Um, uh, some facilities have a gig E backbone. Most facilities have at least a 10 gig E backbone. Uh, uh, new installations, uh, we've been brought in, you know, a week or two before a building is going to open. And somebody says, well, let's turn on the cable TV system. Well, what cable TV system? Nobody, nobody ran coax in the building. It's a brand new building or the landlord. The, uh, so un unless a, a tenant or, or the owner of a building that's being, you know, new, new construction asks for coax, coax not run anymore. So every office, they'll, they'll, they'll send power. They, they don't even send, vo you know, we, they don't run phone lines anymore either. We all use VoIP phones. So they'll run two, three, four, half a dozen uh, uh, LAN connections to, uh, uh, to uh, an office. Uh, or each area. And, you know, we just encourage, you know, wherever the customer wants to hang a TV, they need to have a land drop and a power drop. But it, it's rare that a network needs to be retrofitted. You know, it, most scenario, I would say 99% of the time we're working with a customer that has 10 gig E network in new construction. Uh, because they didn't have any any coaxial infrastructure put into the building, they had two separate networks built. One for you know uh, enterprise, you know normal business activities, and then one for the television system. So like the blue, when you went into the uh, you know an IDF closet or the data center, the blue network was for for enterprise, the red network was for TV, and you you knew you knew which switches to plug into. Uh, but in, in those situations where there isn't a physical separate network, we always encourage the customer and the IT department to do a VLAN. So we just put all the 
television traffic on its own lane. Uh, so we set up a virtual uh, network for the uh, for the television, and and everything works fine. We just need to get IT on board early with the process. So IT doesn't like surprises, and I don't blame them. Well, that's true, and I'll add this as well, Jim. One area that that I know that you guys uh, you know enable a lot that that especially some of our listeners in the Pro AV and some of the UCC applications, you can actually create and put inputs in there as well, right? It doesn't only have to be a, uh, you know, an ESPN. I can, if you wanted to share your screen or something like that and add that to the network or heaven forbid you had like a looping video series that you wanted to show, you can create your own inputs. But one thing we're going to get into the weeds a little bit here. And I think that this is important for the IT communities is DRM, right? You talk about bringing in video fees, not only from, you know, obviously a cable provider, but even uh, streaming, Right. The digital rights management has been one of the challenges. I don't want to say plaguing the broadcast and infrastructure world for a while, but maybe one that it hasn't done a great job of educating. You know, talk to us a little bit about the implications of DRM specifically inside of IPTV systems like this. Yes, yes. No, that that's a very big, big topic. Um, DRM and digital rights management has been in place for 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 a long time with when it comes to satellite and cable was kind of uh sneaking under the wire you know if you were doing a cable tv distribution in your facility no one the cable companies were getting a pass um when at&t bought direct tv and they're like well why do we got to do drm and comcast doesn't that's not fair you know, th- this is talking enterprise, not in people's homes. Right, right, right. Um, um, the, the the feed coming on the cable is encrypted, even in, in a residential environment, you know, so, so theft of content. So everyone thinks like, oh, why does satellite have all these, you know, Verimatrix encryption, Proidium encryption, AES encryption? Uh, it's the studios, you know, they're under contract to distribute the content, they pay to distribute the contract content, or there's a revenue share, whatever the model is. But a part of that agreement is we're going to let you distribute this content, but you better make sure it doesn't get stolen. Um, you know, uh, you know, uh, a, a 4K uh, a stream of some first-run movie. You know, even now, you know, movies premiere on on, on streaming before they get in the theater. So if that got recorded, uh, you know, early on, that could be a problem if it became bootlegged. We're talking to so, you guys who stream Netflix all across the office. Those are the people we're right. talking to. That's right. Net- Netflix is cracking down. <laughs> uh, so so uh, one of Vitovation's differentiators is expertise in all these different flavors of encryption. So, you know, we go, we call it our uh, technical or our project discovery call. We do this call with every customer. Again, we encourage IT to be on that call. If not the first call, definitely the second call. Uh, and we, we make the decision what types of encryption we may or may not use. Because we're a DirecTV partner and a DISH network partner and a cable uh, uh, appliance partner, we can get permission on behalf of the customer to change different DRM, to use Verimatrix versus Proidium versus AES, and we can support all of the above. And some of it depends on, uh, uh, in the enterprise, not everyone has room or there's not in the budget to have a 60-inch display on everyone's wall. So a lot of the television 
uh, is watched in a browser on the desktop. And we go to pains to make the environment on the desktop identical to the environment on the, we do smart TVs, set-top boxes, the desktop, mobile phones, tablets. So we, we, we may go Verimatrix and AES because we'll, we'll encrypt AES to the desktop. Desktop doesn't have the horsepower or the, we don't, there aren't licenses to decrypt ProIdium and Verimatrix on a desktop computer. So we got to do AES encryption. Um, so uh, simpler installations where we're not going to the desktop, we will stay with native ProIdium. Don't want to bore you with all the details, but uh, it is a very good question. And, and Vidovation, uh, we're obligated to help our clients keep everything secure. Uh, DirecTV, DISH, the cable operators may ask for a simple statement on the, on the customer's letterhead or there's a form that needs to be filled out that uh, if there is at any point in the chain, if there's video that is unencrypted, it doesn't leave the head end. And they want to know that the head end has got limited access, you know, the keypad access. Only secure people can get in there. Um, uh, who has access to the head end remotely? So we help our customers uh, satisfy all these requirements that are put in that are related around digital rights uh, management and security. Well, Jim, look, we security is a conversation we probably will have to have, you know, one of these days as well, because we could go for hours probably talking about security and applications, right? Especially as you talk about uh, not only distribution security, but obviously network security as a whole. But you know, one thing that I, I think is incredibly important to all of our collective communities, especially those of us uh, probably listening to this show, is uh, bridging the gap between, uh, you know, the, the IT community and the AV community and the, the IT community and the broadcast community. And really those kind of historically being almost separate industries, but now they're very symbiotic, right? Talk a little bit about some of the ways that you're seeing these industries come together. Yes, yes. So uh, you mentioned, um, uh, you had asked a question that I, a, a secondary question I didn't answer. It's kind of related. Uh, this relates to where's the content coming from. So I talked about cable, direct TV over the air. It is very, very common to have internal feeds. So in a casino, they might uh, have us install a couple of cameras, um, uh, a couple of portable encoders where they do a big drawing or they're, they're giving a car away and there's a big wheel. People say, so they, the worst thing they want is people getting up from their machine to go look at something on the other side of the casino. Cause while they're getting up, they're not gambling. So they want whatever's going on over here to be on the TV right here. So you don't have to get up. So you can keep feeding the machine. So uh, these internal feeds, or they have a band, a concert, a kino. So there's their secondary uh, uh, content that comes in. Uh, digital signage as well. We 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 have an integration, an integrated digital signage capability. But take a a broadcast facility or Paramount Studios. So at Paramount, we distribute stage feeds. So what are stage feeds? So uh, at Paramount Studios, Dr. Phil is one of their big tenants. They, they've been on the lot for years. So they executives don't want to get up from their desk. They're in the same building. They don't want to get up from their desk, go downstairs to the, uh, to the stage to see if things are, you know, time is money. If people are sitting around, that, you know, it's, it's $100,000 an hour to keep the lights on, you know. 
uh, the talent, the union, whatever. They, they want to make sure things are happening. So they could have the stage feeds on in, on the TV on their desk. They could have it on their phone, on a tablet. So uh, we call those stage feeds. Um, take a, a Big Ten Network or the Tennis Channel. We put a couple of encoders on a couple of SDI outputs on their master control routing switcher. So anything in master control can be routed to the television system. So again, the, the VP of engineering, VP of operations doesn't want to walk down the hall to master control. Uh, that he can watch anything, anything on the route or anything in the building. He can bring those videos up in his office in any, any conference room. Now, describing this workflow, now COVID strikes. This is the beginning of 2020. We put the Paramount Studios system in in the end of 2019. So I mentioned the Dr. Phil exec watching the stage feeds from his office. Now he wants to watch from his Malibu home. He doesn't want to come into the office, doesn't want to get COVID, doesn't want to get sick, whatever the reason being, or he just can't make it. He's traveling, whatever. So uh, we had done it before, but now it's coming up more and more as a feature that people want. We gave the ability, we, we, we rolled, you know, uh, Paramount gave us a call. It's like, hey, we love the system. You guys did a great job. That's the good news. The bad news is we need not to get it all off lot, you know, and it's got to be secure. And uh, we love Okta dual authentication. So it's got to be Okta compliant. And it's like, great, we can do it. We've done it before. We've done it many times. Uh, great. That's great, Jim. The bad news is we needed it two weeks ago. So uh, we rolled it out in a couple of weeks. Um, we ended up putting a server in a DMZ outside the firewall. Um, you, speaking of security, we tie into Active Directory. So when, when people are viewing on their desktop, it works very well. So I'm, I'm an employee at Paramount. I'm, only, I'm not allowed to watch ESPN. I'm only allowed to watch certain feeds. Or with Dr. Phil, you don't want uh, another tenant seeing your secure stage feeds because these shows you know record weeks before they air so if it leaks out so we got to keep the video separate on the secure on the network overall secure from other viewers uh and that is all managed in the iptv system so now add the wrinkle uh dual authentication active directory authentication from people logging in from home and we set it up flawlessly you know people log in with their credentials um, Active Directory work well for Paramount employees, but Paramount has a lot of tenants. They don't have an Active Directory account. So we had a mixture of, you know, uh, 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 users that were, you know, keyed in on a spreadsheet and Active Directory users. We had to manage all of that. So uh, it was quite fun and it works very well. So I'm sure there's customers out there listening to this, like, hey, I, I got a, a unique application. I'm sure I'm going to stump. Jim and his team. Uh, we love a challenge, and uh, uh, I, I work with some really great colleagues. I work with some really great vendors, and it's rare that we can't figure something out and keep it secure at the same time. Jim, that's a heck of an answer, but you didn't answer my question. <laughs> I went on a tangent. You did, but it's good, right? It, it's it's good information. That's why we love to have these these open conversations with everybody across the community. I'll give you one more crack at it. Talk about the bridge, bridging the gap a little bit between oh, the IP, yeah, yeah. Well, so, so that, that, the AV, and the broadcast I did, I did kinda, communities. 
I did I did touch on that 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 we will bridge the IPTV system to the master control router. Master master control router is a big routing switcher in in every television station. You know, they got hundreds or thousands of feeds coming in. They got a multi-viewer in the front of the room. You know, what what show do we need to retransmit or we need to air the feed from London to New York now or the feed from London's going to go live on the news now or the tennis channel. A, a lot of the tournaments in Europe happen, you know, three o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. So they got to bring them in, delay them, record them, rebroadcast them. And marrying that workflow into the IPTV workflow is part of what we do. So if, say, some of these assets are stored on a MAM or a storage device of some sort, we can bridge our video on demand or our video playback uh, infrastructure into the television infrastructure and vice versa. So again, back to that VP of engineering or VP of operations, I don't want to get out of my, I don't want to leave my office. I can, I have access to all the stored content in, in my, my, my MAM. I have all the access stored in the, in the video on demand of the television system, the IPTV system. And all that, the lines are blurred, blur that all together. So uh, I hope that sort of answers your question. It, it does. It does for sure. And, and I love seeing the practical application of that too, right? It's, it's great to talk in theory about some of the ways that, you know, you're seeing companies, uh, you know, attend a lot of these different shows. But at the end of the day, it's all about how we can come together to serve uh, our clients and our end users. But uh, look, I'll tell you what, Jim, I loved having you on the show. If nothing else, I got to get you on my show, Pro AV Today. But Jim Jaquetta from Vidovation. Heck of an interview today. We appreciate you coming on. I, I love it. Thanks, Ben. I'd love to be on your other show, too. Uh, I'm always open. Uh, I could go on for another three hours about this. We do webinars, and I'm like, less than an hour? I don't know if I can do it. You know. <laughs> well, look, the, the podcasting audience, 30 minutes is about the sweet spot. It's kind spot. of the sweet <laughs> spot, yeah, 20 to 30. Yeah, yeah. I got, I, got to, I got to comply. But, yes, thank you so much, Ben. Not a problem, Jim, and thank you guys for tuning in as well at home or on the go or on a flight or at an installation. We appreciate you so much. We're looking forward to having you again next time to tune in to Signal Flow.